Welcome to Who Watches the Watchmen, a weekly discussion podcast of the HBO series Watchmen. My name is Derek Wong. And I'm Jeff Zhang. So we're here at the end of the road for the first and perhaps final season of Watchmen. (laughs) The season finale is titled See How They Fly. And the episode is written by the duo of Damon Lindelof and Nick Cuse, reprising the team from the second episode, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. We've covered this before, but Nick Hughes is the son of lost co-creator Carlton Hughes. And like much of the writer's room for the show, Damon and Nick worked closely together on The Leftovers. And the episode itself is directed by TV veteran Frederick E.O. Toy. And I think it'd be easier to list the number of TV shows that he hasn't worked on. (laughs) He's he's worked on a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff. Alias and Lost. He's also directed episodes of Westworld, The Good Wife. He's directed a lot of good TV. (laughs) This is the last episode of this freshman season of Watchmen. Um, Could be the last. I don't know. Lindelof himself stated that he'd always envisioned this as a story told in a single season. Yes. But I guess that's something that's not really up to him, I don't think, when it comes to Watchmen getting another season. But There was an interview with Vulture where he said that he would love to see someone who's not a white dude (laughs) take a shot at the material, perhaps a a woman or or a person of color. Or both. Or both, yeah. I mean, I know we do this podcast, and I love doing this podcast, but a part of me doesn't really want to see another season just based on the strength of this season finale alone, right? Mm -hmm. You have a lot of threads that were tied up very neatly. And they involve almost every character still surviving from like the original graphic novel. And they end on that really perfect shot of Angela by the pool, right? And like, if we're going to get a second season, I'd probably like to see it like so far removed from this story that it would almost be like a spin off. Maybe like the adventures of Laurie and Mirror Guy <laughs> or <laughs> a side story about. That one face we didn't see at all this season, right? Dan Dryberg. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, the story of Angela, Will, Adrian, and Lady True, they all kind of fell into a, a natural terminus or end, right? So I don't think mm-hmm. there's that much room to explore their stories anymore. But anyway, what did you think of this finale? When I watched it the first time, afterwards, I have to admit I was a little disappointed. Okay. Only because I remember the graphic novel being this almost somber look at the genre, right? Uh huh. Where this one was very definite in its ending, in a sense. And it was very it, tidy. Yeah, it, it answers a lot of the questions and it doesn't have kind of big awe moment, you know, like shocking moment that I, I remember from the original Watchmen. Uh-huh. That I, I was maybe hoping for. But on a second rewatch, I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, yeah. Because it was more of this very personal story of Dr. Manhattan and Angela. Right. And, and you're right. It does tie it all up and it, it kind of involves everyone, which I really enjoyed. 
I still struggle with it a little bit. I, I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I, I wish, you know, I wasn't in love with what Lady True called the rerun. And you uh-huh. know, Adrian's plan to like freeze little squids. Just and that, that was his way of stopping Lady True. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I thought that was. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm doing uh, it with my hand right now. <laughs> I thought, I thought this finale was mostly fantastic, mm-hmm. but I do have like some major gripes with it, you know? So, like, as you know from watching the show, maybe listening to our podcast, that there's a lot to unpack from this particular iteration of Watchmen. Lots of questions, theories, Easter eggs. But I really felt that Lindelof and his team of writers and producers gave us a very satisfying ending that tied up almost all of the loose ends in a natural way. But like you said, is that in the spirit of Watchmen? I'm not so sure, right? Mm -hmm. But my one big gripe, and I would say it's a pretty significant one, is that the show in these final two episodes really took a step away from the complex themes of like race and white colonialism. and it's not really the show's fault. I understand that in the end, this is a show adapted from a comic book or graphic novel and that you can't really have your cake and eat it too when it comes to a tidy little ending. But I do feel that the series lost a little bit of its identity towards the end, which isn't necessarily a horrible thing. Like I said, I think it just replaced it with a lot of heart, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like with this love story between Angela and Cal. And I think we'll get into this later, but a lot of the theories that both you and I had, uh, Derek, concerning Lady True and Will's Endgame, they turned out to be both correct and incorrect, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that what we were wrong about kind of stuck out in a big way. I think I'll elaborate later on when we're talking about the episode, but don't don't get me wrong. I, I thought this was a mostly excellent hour of television. Yeah, and I, I partially agree with you that they, they they step back and that I think the blatant racial undertones that were very present in, I guess, the, the front half of this season disappeared after the Hooded Justice episode, basically. Yeah. But I did like how they tried to bring it back around a little bit with Keen's speech about being like a white man in America. and, and right. For me, how I interpreted this last episode is kind of making a statement like, okay, you said your point, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to end that real quick, right? Because it, mm-hmm. his, the Cyclops storyline is very much ended very, very quickly in this episode. So right. I thought that was in itself kind of a statement, but we can get into it later. Yeah. Before we get into the episode, I do want to um, bring up the email that we got. So we did get a, a, an email from uh, a Garvin Hicking. He's sending his email all the way from Cologne, Germany, which is awesome that we're kind of getting international listeners and international yeah. emails. Um, but he mainly uh, talks about his impressions of, of, of Dr. Manhattan and how he kind of perceives time. And it's it's a kind of a lot of what we were talking about last week. And so I just want to say, you know, just kind of recognize him. Thank you for your lovely email. And thank you uh, for taking the time to, to reach out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into our episode. So we're we're taking back to 1985, uh-huh. and Adrian is recording his message to future president Robert Redford. So if you remember back in uh, episode, I think five or six, 
uh, which was kind of that LG uh, centric episode. You know, he was shown that video of uh, Ozymandias speaking to uh, future president Robert Redford. And mm-hmm. I guess uh, we're seeing basically him record that message. And mm-hmm. so we're in his complex. He has all his workers, right, uh, helping him film it. And we see one worker who I guess is kind of like a, a maid. And mm-hmm. she enters his private office. And in his office, there is there's some pretty cool Easter eggs, right? We see those uh, Ozymandias toys. Yeah, uh, which the are, action figures. The action figures are, are straight out of the comic. And then she goes to uh, a computer, a very, very old looking computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she runs the command untie not. Mm-hmm. Right. And then asks for a password in. The password is uh, Ramses the second. Right. And uh, for people that may not know, uh, the untie knot, I think, is a, is a reference to Alexander the Great, which is the painting behind him. Right. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of the painting, when she puts the password, uh, the painting behind her opens up and it looks like this kind of this uh, refrigerator full of vials of something. And we quickly learn that it's vials of adrian's semen yeah and she takes a specific one uh two three four six and she replaces it with a vial that she creates of her own where she kind of just squirts some lotion into it to look like (laughs) semen and then she puts that back and then she opens this case that has this really scientific almost sci-fi movie look uh injector Mm -hmm. um uh she kind of like one of those pneumatic injectors yeah. yeah while she's kind of like fidgeting with it she's like putting that vial into the injector she she says in vietnamese i want to ride the strong winds crush the angry waves slay the killer whales in the eastern sea chase away the wu army reclaim the land remove the yoke of slavery i will not bend my back to be a slave and then she kind of like sits in ozymandias's chair is, is looking right at that alexander the great portrait and then she says in English, fuck you, Ozymandias. And then she takes the injector and basically um, impregnates herself, right? Right. <laughs> I'm starting to put together the pieces and I'm thinking, you know, this is beyond, right? Yeah, this is beyond. Not, not, not the little girl beyond, but Lady True's adult mother. And this goes into your or our speculation last week that Adrian is uh, Lady True's father. Right. Right. And this basically proves that our speculations were correct and that, you know, uh, unbeknownst to uh, Adrian, you know, he has a daughter and it is uh, Lady Shrew. Yeah. A bunch of the Easter eggs in this scene was that what Bian is saying in Vietnamese, that's a quote straight from the real life Lady True. Oh, okay. Who was fighting the Chinese colonizers back then and also Ramses II is an Egyptian pharaoh who's also known as Ozymandias by the Greeks and this was already said in the comic books and that's the password that he uses in the graphic novel as well doesn't so he just use call back to that Ramses though right no it's Ramses II because oh it is still the Ramses II no, okay, yeah because he's the one that's known as Ozymandias by the Greeks Oh, I see. I so see. Uh, when Bian is entering that, that's just another callback to the to the graphic novel. But the untie knot is something new. I mean, it's still related to Alexander the Great, but mm-hmm. 
I don't think there's an origin from the graphic novel here. But no, it no. does relate back to, I guess, Ozymandias's affinity for the Gordian knot, right? He's yep. talking about that when he's on Europa with all the Phillips and Crookshanks. So it's an impossible to tie knot that Alexander the Great just simply cut through mm-hmm. with a blade. So it's about like solving impossible problems with, I guess, an outside the box <laughs> solution. Just another callback to an older episode. And I don't know if I noticed it in the video when we saw it uh, a couple episodes ago, but the squid is behind him when oh, he's like, re- when he's like recording in that chamber behind him. You could see the squid still, and you could see the like the like the big eye of the squid. And I don't oh, know okay. if I noticed it when I we watched it in the the episode earlier with LG. But I, I definitely noticed it in this one. Yeah, I I didn't notice it the first the first time either. That's a, that's a good catch. It's really like it's a little hard to see. Like I I I caught it my second time around. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. It transitions into our second scene where we see a figure bundled up in heavy winter gear, trudging through the snow. There's a neat little title card that shows up in the snow, and this is where we find out the episode is titled see how they fly the figure walks up to a giant circular doorway and if you recall this is the entrance to adrian veidt's arctic hideout karnak he or she knocks on the closed door he or she is all bundled up you can't really see his or her face and there's another title card that tells us it's 2008 which is 23 years after the squid incident and also 23 years after bian inseminated herself with Adrian's sperm sample, right? Adrian opens the door, and the figure reveals herself to be Lady True. Adrian says that he doesn't really talk to fans, but Lady True interrupts him, saying that she knows all about the fake extra-dimensional incursion, and that she knows he killed over 3 million people, and that she even knows that the true purpose behind the faked attack, she says, a giant alien squid to stave off nuclear holocausts. And she even preys upon his like frustrations, right? She says that mm-hmm. only the smartest man in the world could come up with something like that and that no one even gives him credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> and Adrian asks her who she is and she just simply replies, well, I'm the smartest woman in the world and I just wanted to thank you for saving it. Adrian invites her in and we get some huge reveals here, right? First, he says that Redford won't even return his calls. And that Redford told him that he would have won even without his help. And Adrian scoffs that some cowboy actor could never win the presidency by himself, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty funny since that's exactly what Ronald Reagan did in 1981. Yeah. So yep. nice little real-world reference there. And inside Karnak, Lady True is pretty much fascinated by Adrian's automated squid dropping mechanism mm-hmm. asking him how he decides where to drop them and adrian tells her that it's fully ram- randomized by an algorithm and now lady true shows her true colors a little bit here right she's dismissing bites perpetuating squid hoax as just a rerun quote unquote mm-hmm. she says that he did have a revolutionary idea but all he's doing now is just repeating it And it's here that we finally get the full 
picture of Lady True's plan. She tells Adrian that she sought him out as a bankroll for her plan to capture and kill Dr. Manhattan and transfer his power to herself. She's already found him on one of the moons of Jupiter and that all she needs is $42 billion to make it happen. <laughs> just a little money. <laughs> yeah, just a little money, a bit of money, <laughs> not, not too much. She's already designed quantum centrifuge, she calls it, to do it, but she doesn't have the money to build it. And she says that she would do everything that Dr. Manhattan should have done with his immense power. She would have ended starvation, erased all the nukes, cleaned the air. And Adrian asks her why he would ever give her the, the money. And she replies, because I'm your daughter. And Adrian goes on this little spiel about how he inherited like a godly amount of money from his family, but he donated it all just so he could prove that he could build something for himself. And that's from the comic, right? Yeah, that's from the comic. Also, this calls back to the last episode with Dr. Manhattan, where the namesake for Mr. Phillips and Crookshanks tells him to build something for himself. Mm -hmm. And Adrian basically laughs in Lady True's face, tells her he won't give her the money and that he'll never even acknowledge her as his daughter, Mm -hmm. which is ironic what happens later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, at, at this moment, this is when I had the aha moment of, oh, so the D stands for, for daughter, God. right? Yeah, Which we, we we said in one of our earlier episodes, right? It might be daughter, right? Mm-hmm. I was still thinking it was Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, and right. It, 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 it kind of makes, it now makes sense that it's, it's daughter. Yeah. And I like that we find out that Adrian is a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, he says he's never laid with a woman. Yeah. But I found that pretty interesting. One thing I forgot to bring up last scene was that Beyond injects herself, what, in 1985? So that right. means uh, Lady True was probably born in 86. So that makes Lady True the exact same age as me. Me too. <laughs> and, and I was just wondering, I was sitting there wondering, like, God damn it, I'm, I'm the same age as this character and she's a... a billionaire and i don't know a trillionaire (laughs) you're trillionaire and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with my life (laughs) yeah so that would make her 33 right yep yeah (laughs) i'm just hosting this podcast and she's making billions (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't look very half asian either which was yeah yeah whatever yeah i remember you mentioned that a a couple of episodes ago yeah i did right 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 but uh so we'll, we'll move on to the next scene where we see Adrian in his jail cell, right? So this is kind of where we left off last week. If you watch the end credit scene from last week's episode, uh, Adrian is right. in his cell. And uh, the last thing we saw is that he got that horseshoe and he starts digging. He starts trying to dig his way out. This week we've caught up to him and he's still in his jail cell, but he's, I guess, wearing his costume. They gave him his costume to wear. Right. Um, now, they've also given him, him another anniversary cake. And I think if I counted correctly, there's now eight candles. It's either eight or nine. I can't remember exactly. But he does say later that he's, you know, it's been eight years. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. it's eight candles. And they're not lit, but he still closes his eyes and blows them out, almost like he's making a wish, right? Mm-hmm. Right when he does that, the earth and his cell start shaking. And he looks outside the window and there's a giant spaceship that is landing. He pulls away the bed and then basically reveals that he has dug a tunnel for himself out of his cell. Um, and I guess he's just been waiting for this moment to escape. Yeah, he Shawshank that shit. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> he did. He, he just didn't have a he didn't have a movie poster, but he had a bed. <laughs> yeah. And then he starts to walk towards the ship and the game warden tries to stop him, right? He tells uh, him to stop or else he'll be forced to shoot him. And Adrian doesn't stop. He starts walking towards the ship and the game warden shoots him. He's lying on the floor and Adrian opens his eyes and reveals that he has the bullet in his hand. And then he kicks the game warden to the ground. Yeah. Uh, so this yeah. is straight from the comics. In the comics, uh, Laurie's the one who tries to shoot him. And he does the same move. He basically avoids being hit and he actually catches the bullet. It's the same thing. He like opens his eyes and he attacks the heroes. So this is basically a straight kind of um, nod to the comic. Right. How do you do that? Because like, yeah, he's he, not super I, powered or anything. I always wondered this in the comic too. Like, how does he just catch bullets? I don't know. Credit to the Zack Snyder film, at least in that one, he like, he like does this barrel roll with it, almost like at least trying to stop the momentum of the bullet. Versus this one, he takes it straight on, and he, his hand is totally fine. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he does it, but whatever. Well, it, in both the comic and in this, his hand is bleeding afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he, I don't know, knows exactly how to catch a bullet, so that he only gets grazed and he still can catch it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And there's a, a little bit of cool music cue. The music is playing and crescendoing behind him, and but the second he knocks the game warning down, the music instantly stops, which I thought was really cool. right. Right. Cool use of the music. And then he, he gets up and, you know, again, starts walking towards the ship. And we see all the other Mr. Phillips and Crookshanks are approaching. And, and they warn him that, you know, watch out. They call him Master again. And then the game warden tackles him uh-huh. and starts beating on him. And then Adrian stabs him with the horseshoe. Like, I guess at this point, it's almost been whittled down. And now it's like it's, it's a weapon. Yeah, the the ends are pretty sharp. And he basically stabs him, and as he's coddling the game warden, it's revealed that the game warden was just a persona given to Mr. Phillips that was fabricated by Adrian. Yeah. This was a great little surprise. I actually didn't expect this. I was like, what's the deal with this game warden or whatever? He's just like uh, Mr. Phillips, but he's out to get adrian like i didn't understand who was putting him up to all this antagonism right but now we find out that it was adrian himself just because he was fucking bored i guess so this begs the question what we learned about him last episode is that false uh what which part the part about him being the first one that was pulled from the water that you know saw the creation of utopia i mean it might not be it might still be the truth there's no reason to believe that it's not the truth so in this week's official podcast damon lindelof says that and i didn't realize it until he basically said it that um adrian wasn't writing the play that we saw in the second episode, do you remember where you know it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's doing the. Play. He says he wasn't writing that play. He was writing this play. Like we've been seeing a play play out. Like he's written oh, this entire everything that's happened to him on Europa. Yes, is something that he's written out and planned. If you look back at the trial scene after mm-hmm. the Crookshanks like hammers home all these points about. Adrian and how he's this evil person. She even gives him a wink. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it was like a nod, like, hey, I got it right this time. Right. Because if you remember, yeah. From all the okay. Now, I guess if you look back mm-hmm. and watch those scenes again, it's a completely different context. So but, it, it begs the question yeah. like, was he just fed those lines to say, like, yeah, maybe, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. The, I am the first, right? I'm the one who saw Utopia. Like, because now it seems like he's broken down and he's, he's just another Mr. Phillips. Yeah. Maybe it's just a line that he gave him. Yeah. Also proves that he's still a dick because, yes. <laughs> now we know that it's, all just some play but yeah. he still killed all of them for real right yeah. well when i realized i mean when i first thought it was spelling out dr manhattan i was like that's a lot of letters yeah. <laughs> right and even daughter is still a lot of letters yeah there's a lot of letters to spell like a out. lot a lot yeah. of clones that he had to kill the game warden asks why did he make him wear a mask and adrian says that masks make men cruel mm-hmm Right, and that he wanted basically uh, a worthy adversary to keep him sane these eight years because he knew exactly how long he needed to wait before you know he would get his message out and then get picked up. So this goes back to the last scene, right? I, I guess something we forgot to mention is that Lady True did mention that in 2008, she says like, oh, in five years, my probe will be there to take a picture of Dr. Manhattan. He remembers this from their conversation. Right. It flashes back to that scene where he he's lining up all the people, right? He's looking at his watch. Yeah, and exactly, the satellite like overhead. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh-huh. He knows exactly what time that satellite's going to be there, so that's why he was preparing all the bodies and being up there. And he knows also like uh, a spaceship isn't going to come right away, so he's going to have to plan out another couple years, right? Before right. the spaceship comes, so the, all of this like now we're learning is all planned out. Uh, we get this um, really cool shot, right, of all the Crookshanks and the and the Mister Phillips kind of lined up. Uh-huh. And he's kind of walking through them. They're all bidding him farewell. And at the end, the, the last Cookshanks uh, puts his, um, what do you call it? It's not a crown, right? It's like a little It's like a little circlet. Yeah, his headpiece that he puts on uh, and wishes him luck. And he enters in the ship. And as the ship's flying away, we see the reveal, right? It says, help me, daughter. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is the point where I'm going to have to say that i was wrong <laughs> right or I have to uh eat my own words because i remember last week i scoffed at the idea that adrian is in that stupid statue i that's what <laughs> I, I i told you that he was in that because the camera's on that statue all the time and then right? she doesn't even say like why did you make him so old yeah yeah no it, all the clues were there i just didn't want to believe in the I thought it was a dumb idea. And I still kind of think it's a dumb idea, but whatever. So uh, there's definitely this this uh, cutout, right, of a person that can stand in there. And and then the, yeah. the, can the onboard computer basically says, you know, if you want to stave off uh, dehydration, starvation, and potential insanity, please uh, kind of be ready to uh, be preserved, right? Step into the chamber of preservation. Kind of reminds you of uh, Star Wars. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right. That's that's the first uh, thing I thought of. Yeah, frozen and carbonite. Frozen and carbonite, but... right? Yeah. So uh, he puts his hands on his hips, and then we see him get sprayed by this gold liquid. I guess that preserves him. It becomes this um, stasis chamber, kind of like what we're talking about, like in in Star Wars. You know, with with Han Solo right. being frozen in carbonite. So this basically confirms that the object that landed on the Clark family farm 
is aging, right? It's the spaceship falling back to Earth. Right. They don't um, out and out say it, but yeah. that's like the only loose end left, right? And I mean, what else could it be? Yeah. They don't really mention the farm or anything in this episode. I don't yeah. think. Um, no. But, but I think we're just to deduce that it was the thing that fell on the Clark farm. I like that it doesn't blatantly like show you a scene of yeah, falling yeah. on the farm, which I, I like. It lets you kind of make the connections for yourself. Yeah, we don't need the hand-holding, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. So now, I guess there's some travel time between Europa and Earth, right? So now we're in the present day, and gold statue Adrian, just a funny image. He's like being rolled into the yeah. Millennium Clock facility, like a piece of furniture, right? And he's being, I don't know what you call it, de- defrosted, I guess? Yeah. And like there's like a little cordoned off area where he's being let out of the statue stasis, right? And mm-hmm. outside Lady True speaks to Bion, the clone version of Bion anyway, her quote unquote daughter, saying that the timing isn't ideal, but that she has to tell her something just in case <laughs> I guess Adrian spills the beans, which she suspects he might do. But Beyond's already one step ahead of her, though, and she's already figured out that she is Lady True's mother, or at least a clone of her, right? I guess all that nostalgia that she took really hammered home the idea that she's Lady True's mother, right? Mm-hmm. She she knows the truth. And Lady True goes over to a freshly awake Adrian, and she gives him some water. She's touch that he went through all the effort to spell out the message to her with all those dead bodies. And she says it meant a lot to be acknowledged, right? Especially since you said you never would. I think she's just mentioning that uh, what he said earlier, that he would never call her his daughter, right? And Adrian tells her that Dr. Manhattan sent him to Europa and that he's actually on Earth passing as a human. But of course, we already know that Lady True already knows that, right? Yeah. And she says that her plan to destroy him and take his power is about to go down in an hour. And she also says that the only reason she brought him back was so that he could see her achieve anything, having started from nothing. And it's here where you hear the announcement or the Millennium Clock uh, klaxons blaring that there's only one hour before its launch. So I think it's pretty like indicative of Lady True's hubris that she brings Adrian down just to witness this. Yep. But the fact that she brought him down became her undoing, right? Her undoing, yep. Yeah, she gets wrecked by Adrian in the end. <laughs> so... He's still the smartest man. Yeah, still the smartest man in the world. <laughs> uh, one interesting thing I really loved in the scene is that he takes one look at Beyond. He's like, "You cloned your mother." Yeah, like, he's smart enough to know what's going on just by a look. Yeah, his deductive skills are pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, the same thing goes true when he sees the clock. Right, he just takes a glance at it. And he knows exactly what it is. Versus, 
all of us this whole season are just like, like what's that what for? is it? <laughs> what is this for why is that why does this thing exist and he's like oh i know what that is but i yeah. mean he was told yeah before it was like oh yeah, the before quantum, but the quantum centrifuge or whatever so yeah yeah but he can just take kind of one look at it and knows like this is exactly what she was planning to build right right it was definitely a, a great scene showcasing again what you're saying who lady true is and her personality but also the intellect of, of adrian right so the scene moves into uh, downtown Tulsa, right? We see a bunch of cars with the true symbol on them driving into this downtown area. Uh, one little detail I really liked about the cars, if you notice, like the top of the cars, it looks like they they have solar panels on top of them. Yeah, I mean, they're all electric. So. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool little detail where I'm like, no, that should happen. or It's going to happen very soon with all of our cars. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Lady True goes to the newsstand to pick up her newspaper. So we saw this in, I believe, episode two, right? It's either two or three yeah. uh, in the season where, you know, Beyond goes to pick up a stack of newspapers from this same newsstand. And I guess Lady True herself is here to pick up the newspapers. Right. And the man running the newsstand says to her, he never thought he would see her in the flesh. And she says, take a good look because this is the last time she'll be seen in it, right? All right. Quippy nod to what her plan is moving forward. And then she takes those papers and hands them to Beyond and says to put them in the time capsule. This kind of goes into what they discussed a little bit in the official podcast. They talk about the elephant, right? The elephant in the room, the one that we saw um, after the hooded justice episode right where we were wondering why the hell is it an elephant right uh he basically says that the notion that you know an elephant never forgets right right he calls it kind of like nature's hard drive so it goes to this fact that lady true likes to keep records of things so what was happening was actually all of angela's memories right were being stored into this elephant for some reason, she wants to collect all these newspapers to be part of a time capsule. So it's almost like she's wanting to keep records of history. It all kind of mingles together now to further flush out her character. Yeah, and maybe like commemorate the day she became a god or whatever. Yeah, or something like that. And then Adrian sees that um, in one of the newspaper headlines that Robert Redford is still president. Mm -hmm. And then the man at the newsstand was like, hey, you. You look a lot like Adrian Veidt. But then he says, like, but not exactly. Like, yeah. You'd be good enough to to be like a, a parlor trick at like parties, basically. Right. And then Adrian asks the man what people think happened to him. And the man says no one really cares. And he's heard rumors of him, you know, walking off into a jungle. So this was also kind of a rumor that was spread in the PDPedia files, right? Right. 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 One of his contacts in like the Amazon says that, you know, Adrian was was last seen there but so it kind of, it kind of goes back to those pdp files uh-huh. uh and then the man asks like well what do you think happened to adrian invite and he, he says you know he was stranded on the moon of jupiter quietly going insane <laughs> <laughs> i love his lines in this show. yeah they're, they're always pretty um, good this uh yeah. this newsstand he keeps some weird ass hours Right. It's like nighttime and he's still working at this newsstand. What the hell's going on with this guy? I um, didn't even realize that until you said that. That's hilarious. I feel like this <laughs> things close at like 4 p.m. latest, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. When no one's around to buy newspapers, he's still there. Yeah. Hey, we don't know what hour it is. Maybe yeah, it's maybe early morning. He's early getting morning ready. He's getting ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we see 
the orb, the centrifuge floating over them, right? The one that Lady True built. And then Adrian starts to quote the, I don't know how to say this, uh, an inscription of the Murnantop state, um, where he says, Israel is desolate and her seed is no more. And Palestine has become a widow for Egypt. Mm. So this is, uh, I was doing my research. This is the only surviving text referring to Israel from, uh, I guess, ancient Egypt. And then uh, he, he ends the quote by saying, you know, it's the end. The end is nigh. And of course, again, the end is nigh being uh, a direct reference to the comic, you know, the sign that uh, Walter Kovacs is holding at the end of the very first issue. Right. So now we cut to the abandoned department store where Lori is being held, right? And this is originally the department store that Looking Glass infiltrated and he was captured and shown the the video that we see Adrian recording at the beginning of this episode, right? And here we see that the leadership of the 7th Cavalry and the Cyclops conspiracy, they've all gathered in front of this quantum frame that they've built. Um, and that includes Judd's wife, Jane, and Joe Keaton Sr. in a wheelchair. I had no idea he was still alive, but I guess he's, he, he's yeah, still alive. Yeah, no idea. Uh, in a wheelchair. Well, at first I was like... Are you seriously trying to introduce another character right now? But <laughs> yeah. then it's it's fine. It's it's kind of a character that we should know in a sense. But I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lori's still tied to her chair, right in front of the quantum frame. And we can hear on the walkies of the seven K members that this is pretty much taking place at the same time as the big shootout at Angela's house at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> this is where Looking Glass reveals himself we've missed looking glass he's been missing for three three four episodes right yeah <laughs> and he kind of sidles up next to Lori and tells her to sit tight and that he's gonna get them out of there soon <laughs> and all Lori says is like mirror guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's always calling him mirror guy and then he says it's looking glass <laughs> he's always correcting her too Nice little chemistry that they got going here. Mm-hmm. And he tells Lori that the 7K and Joe King Jr. tried to get him to flip on Angela. And they went to his house to try and kill him. But mm-hmm. he uh, apparently turned the tables on them and came back here disguised as a 7K member. So next, the quantum frame then turns on, right? And Dr. Manhattan, still in his uh, blue Cal Abar form, zap right into the middle of the frame and here we have a brief little cut back to the abar house where angela's like brutally interrogating this surviving 7k member by pretty much breaking all of his fingers (laughs) asking where dr manhattan was zapped to and back at the department store we get the big bad guy monologue from senator joe keen jr saying that 34 years ago, Adrian Veidt unleashed his monster onto the world. And he's not talking about the one-eyed octopus. He's talking about President Redford, right? Yeah. True In true uh, white supremacist fashion, you, you blame the policyholders as, uh, as the real monsters for not allowing them to be racist, I guess, right? Yeah. He says... First, he took our guns, then he made us say sorry over and over again. Sorry for the alleged sins of those who died decades uh, before us, right? Sorry for this color of our skin. 
And he says that they're going to get the power back and that they were in the middle of starting a culture war and that he's going to do with the power of Dr. Manhattan what they should have done a long time ago. He says that it was all revealed three years ago. So your theory last week was correct, right? Uh, the 7K found out about Dr. Manhattan because Cal involuntarily zapped one of the white knight attackers at Angela's house to Kila Flats, New Mexico, right? I thought it was Senator Keen, but it wasn't. But It was a guy named Mike. <laughs> His name is Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe says that he knows that only one person in the entire world can teleport people like that. And that one person was born in Gila Flats, right? Mm-hmm. He also explains that the bars on the frame are made of lithium salvaged from the old watch batteries. We've been seeing the 7K dismantling earlier in the season and mm-hmm. that they disorient and trap Dr. Manhattan. Joe Keen says that they've been dismantling like a zillion of them to, to make yeah. enough uh, <laughs> the lithium to trap Dr. Manhattan, right? <laughs> I feel like that alone would take you nine years to do. So yeah. maybe that's why, that's why it took so long to enact this plan. And then Joe's stripped down to his underwear. And it's funny to point out that his underwear is exactly Dr. Manhattan's black stripe costume from the comics. His panties. His panties, yeah. And all the is like, you look stupid in those panties. <laughs> panties. <laughs> and, so good. <laughs> uh, Joe goes to step into this chamber next to the frame. And that's when Angela barges in, telling Joe that Whatever he thinks is going to happen when he steps into that chamber, it is going to happen. She tells him that Lady True set them up to do her dirty work and that she's been a step ahead this entire time. Joe doesn't listen, right? He steps into the chamber anyway, and they activate the frame, and there's this sharp hum and this flash, and we see that everyone's been teleported outside. Yes. So my assumption that Lady True was working with the seventh K is not entirely correct, right? She wasn't purposely like feeding them the materials, but then, you know, like Angela says, she lets you take them, right? Or she lets you steal them. In a sense, she was using them. She set them up. She played them. Yeah. But I feel like it's kind of, I don't know. It kind of muddles the message because again, we have Lady True and Will working together. Right. And then, Lady True is like this anti-white colonialist uh, who's, I guess, a little bitter about the colonization of Vietnam. But she never really states that in this episode. She mostly is talking about like her God complex and how she wants to become Dr. Manhattan. She never really says anything about how Dr. Manhattan was the one to win the war. I mean, she's mentioned it before but like she doesn't really say anything in this episode so i was a little surprised that uh there was no tinge of that bitterness in this episode you know i think it's moved for her beyond beyond that that. it's more it's more just it's mentioned a couple times in this episode right that people don't think dr manhattan with his power is doing enough yeah so her plan is to take it so that she could do something with it and i also thought her Using the 7K that way, it was kind of like, it really dirties her hands, I think, because mm-hmm. they're such racist pieces of shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just a mixed message to send, but it's, 
It's fine. Well, this is partially my issue with the episode. And I had the same kind of issue last week is like our understanding of what Dr. Manhattan remembers or doesn't remember. I guess my question to you is, can he remember what's going on to him right now in the cage? Um, yes. I believe but then so. Lee True says the line, well, I needed to use them so that he couldn't see it coming. As though the second he's in the cage, he can't remember what's going on anymore. It could be true because when he's in the cage. But then it begs the question now then, how does he know he was going to die if he dies in the, in the cage? You know what I mean? There's a lot of inconsistencies with the the power of this cage. Yeah. Right? Because he knows he's going to die, but he dies in the cage. So that means he should remember how he dies. Or he, that means he should remember when he's in the cage. But yet he can't remember that Lady Chu's one who sets him up. Yeah, I, it's not clear. I feel. Um, yeah, it yeah. Kind of just logic gloss over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The logic here is for me, it doesn't work exactly, and it kind of. Yeah, I know it's science fiction, and there shouldn't be really like you know what I mean. It's it's not sound logic, but at the same time, I like my science fiction to have a little bit of logic, a, a little more airtight, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a fair criticism, I guess. Uh, sorry. So where we where we are it was uh we're we're on the roof, right? Um. And everyone's kind of is in this the days. roof. It's the plaza. They're back in the plaza. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah. They're back on the uh, on a plaza. Sorry, they're back in a plaza. Oh, interesting to note. This is the same plaza with the Doctor Manhattan phone booth that we yes, see. Yes, because Lori we see it later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, at first, I was kind of wondering where we were too. I was confused. Yeah, because we see the centrifuge, and we it's not clear to me right at first that we're outside, but. It becomes very evident that they were transported, mm -hmm. right? Now, my question is, the machine worked in a sense, but didn't work out for Senator Keene. Mm -hmm. So did she transport them? Because that's what she lays out in the plaza earlier, right? When all those cars arrive. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my guess is that she's the one who transports them, but it coincidentally transports them at the exact same time as they, they hit their button. <laughs> Yeah. Which is very, very big coincidence. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we see they're outside. And what's interesting is that Wade takes his mask off and he throws up. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, a, a kind of a callback to the comics, right? Where in the comics, every time Lori was the one that got teleported with, with Dr. Manhattan, she would have She'll to like, run, yeah, to run and find a, a toilet so that she could throw up. So I was surprised that they show Wade throwing up and not her. Yeah. It was it was a good way to get his mask off. I think that was kind of the purpose. Yeah. Um, and then we see that the true workers have these kind of large magnets that disarm the 7K members of all their guns, right? Yeah, well, not just the 7K members. I think everyone, right? That sucks oh, up yeah, everyone's everyone. guns. Everyone's guns, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, anything. And this is now uh, reminds me of a couple episodes ago where we talked about, you know, there was the announcement over... PA system at True Industries saying that, you know, um, make sure you've removed any metal uh, from your body. I'm guessing that's for this. I assume so, yeah. If you have like some metal limb, maybe these magnets yeah. are powerful enough to rip it out of your body. Like, <laughs> rip the know. fillings right out of your teeth, right? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So, like, that's my best guess because this is the only time we've ever really seen a magnet. Yeah. And, and Lady True says that she wasn't expecting Angela to be there. Lady Chu is fulfilling her promise to her grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. He gave her 
um, Angela's husband, and she's going to give him the justice that he's been, you know, looking for all these years. Yeah, against the Cyclops conspiracy and all the Seven K members, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then uh, we get a really cool, uh, I guess, reunion of sorts. Uh, Adrian sees uh, Lori, and um, he pronounces her last name. So now I know exactly how to pronounce her last <laughs> name, right? <laughs> um <laughs> I've never known how to say that, so now I do. Yeah. <laughs> She makes that funny remark, um, is she dead? You know, because she's seeing Adrian. Adrian says, no, the night is still young. Yeah. And then we see uh, Lady True address the Cyclops crowd, right? Yeah. And Listing all of their crimes. Yeah. And yeah. then she has, like, that funny moment where she's like, oh, where's Senator Keene? Oh, no. He was <laughs> there. Like, she knows exactly what happened to him. Yeah. Right? And when she opens that door to that chamber, it's like a horror movie because there's just, it's like, liquefied. This, <laughs> yeah. Like, this flood of just liquid and guts and blood or whatever it all it is uh, spills out onto the floor. We see part of it goes into the chamber with um, with Cal and the other parts of it, it, it goes right to Lori's feet. This is the part where she thanks Cyclops members for, you know, catching Dr. Manhattan. And that was the only way that he would not see her coming. And that, of course, Senator Keen popped because absorbing the atomic energy without filtering it first is going to pop you like a water balloon at right. the time. <laughs> and then uh, Jane Crawford asks what she wants, and Lady True pulls out this paper with the speech that Will, I guess, basically wrote to address all the Cyclops members. You know, she starts reading it and then Jane quickly kind of cuts her off and says, you know what? Just do it. Mm-hmm. Jane knows exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to hear anything for a little speech. And she says, just do it. And Lady Tree's like, do what? And Jane's like, you're going to kill us, right? It's like, oh, of course. And then she has this remote control and she controls these kind of satellite dishes that shoots these lasers at all the Cyclops members and vaporizes them all. Mm-hmm. that is the end of that yeah so i don't know if it's the end of cyclops but it's definitely the end of the leadership right so this like. was the part that was so neat and tidy that it kind of bothered me that they just dispatched of cyclops and the 7k like that mm-hmm. because they were really setting up 7k to be like this huge threat and it was kind of overtaken by lady true in the end right all this theorizing that we did before kind of went nowhere. And I kind of wish that we were more right about the stuff that we were theorizing about, right? Like you had your empathy bomb theory, Mm -hmm. which was really great. And like it utilized all these elements of the story that we had seen before, right? Like you had the TVs that Lady True gifted everyone. Yeah, like, yeah. And then all the nostalgia. Nothing happened with that. And stuff yeah. like that. But in the end, they just get vaporized and that's that's it, really. You know? Yeah. I thought it would have been interesting because like nostalgia was such a huge part of this season. Yeah. The, the the front half of the season, right? And like I thought for sure that we would have some sort of come up and swear the seven K or Cyclops members would be like reliving the the trauma that the pain or something. Yeah, of, of all the black people in Tulsa and like Will's memories and things like that. But that, that never really happened. Yeah, it, it makes you realize now that the all that setup was just for 
hooded justice episode right yeah and at that point yeah. it, the the idea almost of nostalgia is abandoned except for the episode after where she has kind of the flashbacks of yeah as a child. yeah when but, she's recovering right when uh, she's recovering but after that you know it's really abandoned and, and that idea is over with and it really moves on to this almost second story about now dr manhattan and angela right and like i thought it would have been neat if um, they implanted all the memories and like the racist, like the 7K and the Cyclops members, they implanted all the memories in them and they still didn't care, <laughs> right? And then they get vaporized. Mm-hmm. Even that would have been like a little something to tie everything together. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a little message was like, oh, racists are always going to be racist. They're always pieces of shit. They're never going to learn their lesson or, or something like that. But yeah, we never got that tie in. Which is fine, I guess, but it just seemed a little, a little simpler than I thought it was going to be in the end. And and we did learn that also. I mean, Judd Crawford has finally confirmed that he he was just a, a bad guy. He was a douche. Yeah, right. I still was holding out a little hope that maybe we'd learn that he wasn't as bad as he's been made out to be. But he was he was just a, a mole, right? He was planted there to to right. make friends with uh, Angela so that they can just get closer to Cal. Yeah, because there was right. that warmth between. Angela yeah. and Judd and like you could see that they were actually friends. It seemed like least, they actually at least yeah, Angela thought so, right? Yeah. And, and we th- I thought so too. So that yeah, that's yeah. why I was holding yeah. out hope that maybe we would have a little more he was. complex of a character, but but no. Yeah. He, he was, he was just, just a racist. He was evil. <laughs> he was evil. <laughs> um, and the, the scene ends with uh, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, he touches the blood um that's all over the ground. And teleports Adrian, uh, Laurie, and Wade back to Adrian's lab. Yeah, Karnak. Mm-hmm. In Antarctica, uh, Wade's pretty shell shocked, right, by everything that he's seeing, um, and he's really mad about the squid reveal being real, right? Yeah, he complains about Adrian's like destruction in 1985, and. Laurie is still hoping that they can save John, but Adrian says that he's dead already, right? Yep. And Adrian says that they still have a chance to stop Lady True's plan. And he says that they can set the temperature of the squid. He asks Wade to go check on the temperature gauge of the squid teleporter, right? And he says to crank it down. So instead of sending out the wet squid, it's going to send down like frozen squid like a gatling gun he says (laughs) yes yeah i thought he had a great line here where he's talking about lady true's ego and her plan right anyone who seeks to attain the power of a god must be prevented at all costs from attaining it and he says after all she's a raging narcissist whose ambition knows no limits (laughs) and then it flashes to angela next to john in the cage right so this was one of the most heartfelt moments of the episode. I thought this was really fantastic. I think mm-hmm. Angela kind of took a back seat in this episode. She's a little more reactive to what's going on than what happened in the last episode. But she has some really nice moments with John, right? And John tells her to move away from the cage that's holding him because the quantum centrifuge is like right above the cage now right and but angela refuses to leave him right and Mm -hmm. and she asks where are you right and this is i think the line of the episode right and it 
flashes mm-hmm. like to their entire relationship together. And he says, I'm in every moment we were together all at once. And like, you have like images of their entire life together. It flashes by. And I thought this was a nice choice. Like for a little bit of a moment, he looks like Cal again, not in Dr. Manhattan form. Right. And he says, I yeah. love you, Angela. And he gets destroyed with like this, I guess, shockwave and Angela goes flying. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the end of Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. What I found interesting at first, and I guess before they go back to Adrian's office or before we go back to Adrian's office, Angela asks John, like, why didn't you send me with them? Right. Uh-huh. And Yaya has a really great delivery of the line where he says he, he doesn't want to be alone when he dies. Right. How Alan Moore kind of writes the character of Dr. Manhattan and, and also, I mean, the betrayal that they do in, in the movies with Zack Snyder was very much a, a man who's lost almost all sense of his humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And by the end of the comic, he gets it back a little bit. But this is definitely a different, I think, a different interpretation of that Dr. Manhattan. Or, or maybe an evolution. Uh, definitely a. a I would say it's an evolution. That. Yeah. It's not necessarily he, a different portrayal because he yeah. has all that time as Cal under his belt now, right? Yeah. So I feel like it makes sense that he gets a little bit of that humanity peeking through. Yeah, for sure. But that's a good point. I think uh yeah, I think it's a good distinction to make. Yeah. But even when we saw last episode, right? It seemed like he showed more emotion and more care for Angela than maybe he even had for Janie or or Lori, right? Right, right. And the fact that he recognizes that he's going to die and he doesn't want to die alone is is very much a, a big kind of It might not be change like for his character. More emotion, but he is like a warmer presence, I think, in, yeah. on this show than in the, yeah. in the comics. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. the The line or the scene of the the episode is definitely when when he, when he says that line about you know he's he's in every moment that we're all we're together all at once. Yeah, right. And it's that 2019 man is full of great great lines. You know, I I tweeted like which one's better, right? The I love you 3000 or this line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like. It's yeah, been a rough, <laughs> rough year for characters that we love. Yeah, and I love that Wade is, of course, the one that knows exactly when the last incursion was. Right? Yeah, when he knows exactly. like, when was he's when the was the last expert. incursion? Yeah, it's like when was the last incursion? Like three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> he knows exactly when it was, which I love, and it's it's like a perfect use of his knowledge and his character. Right. Yeah, and then I also really love like kind of Adrian. Adrian's like description of why he has to defeat Lady True uh-huh. and how he's uh-huh. she's this uh, raging narcissist, right? Right, with this this hubris that um, thinking that you know she can attain the power of a god and yeah. she has to be stopped. And, and then like, Lori's t- like, it takes one to know one. <laughs> yeah, Lori's like raging narcissist, huh? Yeah. Uh, and then you know he says that that line in Latin, which I'm not going to try to repeat. But yeah, it basically says he basically says in Latin, it takes one to know. <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he says he transports the frozen squid, and he says anyone and anything within a five square block is going to be obliterated. Right. So what happened to Angela is like she was getting knocked back, right? And she gets knocked, I guess, right into that phone booth, right? I think yeah. That's the phone, it's booth the phone booth she hits. Booth, right. 
So she kind of gets knocked out and, and she she's woken up by Beyond. And Beyond says that you might want to tell your friends to leave if they don't want to get hurt. What she means is that she, all the police are arriving and, you know, we see uh, Red Scare, we see Pirate Jenny and all the cops. And I guess they're ready to try to take down Lady True or, or what? I don't know what, what their intention I is. I think here, it's but... just the commotion that attracted yeah. them there. They don't know what's going on. Probably don't um, know exactly what's yeah. going on. But then we start hearing a call from the, the phone booth, right? And it's Lori trying to call Angela mm-hmm. to uh, tell Angela that they're coming, right? The squid are coming. Yes. And she doesn't actually say it, right? It's like she keeps alluding like, oh, they're going to fall from the sky. You mm-hmm. got to get out of the way. Like, just say it. Say it that we're sending down like a rain of frozen squid and it's going to kill everyone. Yeah. But whatever, you know, Beyond's already in the photo booth and then Angela also gets in the photo booth. and. It's a nice little reversal that Lori is the one calling through mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan communication booth. A uh, nice little reversal from her introductory episode where she's telling jokes in the in the booth, right? Yeah. And then uh, we see it cuts to Lady True and she kind of has her hands out and it, it keeps kind of alluding to like imageries of God, right? And Christ. And we yeah, see there's the like background. this, uh, there's a split diopter shot where yeah. it's uh, Jesus on the cross in the background. It's like nailed to the wall. And then Lady True is like kind of in the same position. It's like the dual focus mm-hmm. on both of them. It's a nice little yeah. cinematography there. Yeah. She kind of has her hands out. And then we hear like weird noise. And then we realize that one of the squid went right through one of her hands. Yeah, it's got like a hole in her hand. Yeah. Which is really cool visual too there. And we see that the, the frozen squid are destroying the, the centrifuge, right? That's right. right above her. And it's killing cops. It's going through the glass of the, the windshields and uh, of all the cop cars. Beyond is hiding in the phone booth. And Angela grabs, I think it's one of the magnets, right? I, I believe so, one. yeah. Yeah, what well, she grabs and puts over her head and she starts running towards the Dreamland Theater because mm-hmm. she knows that her kids are in there, right? Because Dr. Yeah. Manhattan said last episode that he transported there to be with their grandfather. And as we see, as she's doing this, you know, we see that the centrifuge is being destroyed and it loses its ability to float and it falls right on top of Lady True killing Lady True. Mm-hmm. So this is another one of my gripes with the episode okay. a little bit. The logic of these squids, the fact that, I mean, Adrian says that everything is going to be obliterated, right? It didn't really do that much damage. (laughs) I I think about the centrifuge itself is like it's made of metal. It's probably a delicate piece of whatever it is that she designed it for, right? But it looks like it's chipped away by all the falling squid. Their velocity is, is strong enough to destroy the centrifuge. But thinking about uh, like a structure of a building, the roof of a building is really only made of like plywood sometimes and like maybe like built up roof materials that I would think that these frozen squids might be able to actually penetrate those too. Uh-huh. It kind of begs that like all the buildings seem fine, but like this metal object is just <laughs> obliterated. So like I was like, okay, I, I logic police, I will have to <laughs> escort away again. <laughs> But yeah, that's I had a lot of logical issues with, with some of the things in this episode. I never really paid attention to the houses, I guess. So I guess I didn't really notice that, but that's a fair point. But, uh, so yeah, we, we follow her into the theater and the kids are sleeping on the stage. 
the big kind of reveal is that I guess Will was told by John, right, to make his deal with Lady True. Yeah. That John, I guess, knew all along that to save everyone and, and to make sure that Angela was safe and the kids are safe, uh, Will would have to work with Lady True. Mm-hmm. And we also get that really great line. And if the other line was the best line of the episode, I think this might be the runner up. Runner up. Yeah. Right. Where he says that. And, and this is kind of straight contrast, right, to what Adrian says at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode, right? Where Adrian says, you know, masks make people evil. Will says that people put on masks and partially he realizes now that he put on the mask because of fear and his hurt. Mm-hmm. He says that she can't heal under a mask, right? Mm-hmm. And the great line that wounds need air. Yeah. Which I thought was, I was like, dang, that's such a good line. That is a good line. Yeah. <laughs> and he also makes uh, the comment about, you know, if you want to make an omelet, you're going to have to break some eggs. And then Angela's like, what? Why did you just say that? And he's like, well, it's, it's something that uh, your husband said to me all the way back then. So this is a little bit of a hint for later. Yeah. So uh, then we go into where I guess it's like a storage warehouse that he has at, at the Karnak. Adrian has a Karnak and he's walking Wade and Lori through the facility. And she says the line, uh, she was buried in the ice and he had to do some tinkering, but he was able to get her up and running and it would be able to be used to get them back to civilization. And mm-hmm. at this point, I realized and, and Lori realizes that it's Archie yeah. that he's talking about, right? Yeah. That uh, this is Dan Dreiberg's uh, original owl vehicle from the comic. And then he assumes that Wade can drive it because police ships were modeled after this ship. Right. And so do you remember in the original comics how they get back from Karnak? I don't recall. Because I know the movie specifically has a scene where they get back into the ship. Um... They take it away. I don't remember if the comic has a scene. But then this applies that it was left there, that they didn't use it. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think Dr. Manhattan sent it back, doesn't he? I can't remember. Honestly, I get him. It's just I get mixed up sometimes. But maybe that's it. But yeah. clearly, because it, it's it's still here with uh, Adrian. Yeah. Uh, and then Adrian says it's been a hoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Owl joke there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and Lori says, well, you're coming with us. Right. You know, her job is to arrest vigilantes. And he says that, you know, killed three million people and that he's under arrest for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian thinks it's a joke and they have no proof. And then uh, Wade pulls out a CD. So if you remember from the scene earlier, when they're all in the department store, Wade goes up to Lori and says, I came back for something, right? I came back for something. So and this is probably this, what he came back for, the proof. Yep. Yeah, is the proof that um, Adrian Veidt set all this up and that this is basically his confession right. to all the, his guilt, right? And then I love this scene because it's reminiscent to the end of the comic, right? Where they all have to decide if they're going to reveal the truth or not at the end of mm-hmm. the comic. And they all decide to play by Adrian's game and, and not reveal it because this is the only way to you know prevent any further war or nuclear destruction. Mm-hmm. And this time around, I feel like it's the reverse, right? Adrian is trying so hard to convince Lori, like, you know, this was the way and that this saved everyone. And it, it, maybe it did, 
and that he's right for it. But I think Laurie's kind of grown as a character, as a person, and realizes that, yes, maybe you did, but you still did something wrong and you need to be arrested for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adrian says, like, I saved the world again and you're going to arrest yeah. me, you know? Um, yeah, and then she has the audacity and then right when he says that word, LG knocks him out and <laughs> he <laughs> says, that guy talks too much. Yeah. He says, uh, you kept the secret all this time, right? And now you're having misgivings. And mm-hmm. Lori says, you know, people change, at least some of us do. So, like, yeah. I thought this was also a little neat, I think. Mm. Because I think the graphic novel has, like, an all-time great ending, right? Because it's, yes. it's one of those Pyrrhic victories, you know? It's like a victory, but at what cost, right? At what like, cost, yes. You kill three million people, but you create a lasting world peace so do you keep that secret or do you blow the lid off the entire conspiracy right and this is the kind of juggling act that the end of the graphic novel has to contend with but like here there's just kind of a reversal there where she decides to arrest him it's not as complex or as interesting i i think it's more satisfying in that it ties up Mm -hmm. Uh, the both sense. the graphic novel and mm-hmm. the series together in like a satisfying conclusion but yeah and I think that's what you kind of have to do with a television show I think I don't know it was just not as complicated or as deep I think but it's well, fine yeah yeah and, and and I think that goes to my when I said the first time I watched it, I was not as satisfied as I thought I would be. And it's partly because of what you were talking about. Right. Like that the comic is very deep and very somber in its outlook at the end of the comic. And because it is this Sophie's choice, right? You do this or you do that. Both are just terrible. Yeah, it's like a catch-22. Yeah. Yeah. But this one doesn't really have that. Especially even when we see the destruction of the squid, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't seem to do that much damage. It doesn't actually kill that many people, at least that we don't see, right? It is a rerun, but not a very good rerun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, And then the scene moves and back to Tulsa. What I love is that there's like absolutely no dialogue pretty much until we get back to the house. We see all this play out over music and, her and her kids and, and Will are leaving the Dreamland Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice the letters in the Yeah, the only uh, D, R, and S still yes. illuminated. <laughs> yeah. So this is that thing I wanted to bring up earlier. So for me, there was a little bit of an inconsistency here because when I watched the episode again, all the way back in the beginning of the episode when True's people are arriving, mm-hmm. that D isn't lit up. Okay. I don't know if it was just not turned on or just malfunctioning, but like every other letter but the D was on. Mm-hmm. But then now the D is on conveniently so that we have DR or you know Dr. M. Right. I mean, like I for me there was like a little bit inconsistency. It doesn't bother me as much like it could be a glitch that was I don't know. We'll have to go into why that I know. I know. But, but with this like how <laughs> now you're just nitpicking. <laughs> I am. I am just because uh airtight come on guys (laughs) it was just someone's job to make sure like that thing is on like the whole episode so that so that this really cool trick yeah 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 i I get you yeah but interesting is that now the cops have all taken off their masks did you notice that 
Oh yeah, that's right. Like Red Scare doesn't have his mask on. Pirate Jenny doesn't have her mask on. It's like, when did you guys all decide that it's okay now to take off all your mask? I didn't understand that um, at the end of the episode. And then uh, Angela walks uh, her family through her bakery and her secret lair. And mm-hmm. I guess Topher learns that you know his mom was Sister Knight. Yeah, he's like he sees the. He's like wowed by it a little bit. Yeah, like he sees the he sees the costume and it's yeah. like his eyes just go really big, which I thought was really great. Yeah, and then we uh, go back to the house where Angela is uh, cleaning up the kitchen. Yeah, so just cleaning up the kitchen, and she finds the eggs that she slammed down on the floor earlier, right? Um, mm-hmm. So Angela invited Will to stay with them a couple of days just to like get his yep. bearings, mm-hmm. you know. So um, Will goes off with the kids. Angela decides she's going to clean up the mess. Sorry, before you move on, did you find that a little too tidy too? Because this whole time she thought Will's been working with Lady True, that maybe Will helped to set up her husband, right? And then she kind of really quickly and easily forgives him. Um, I think the nostalgia had a lot to do with that, you know, to get that empathy. Um, Mm -hmm. And... He is her grandfather. Although I do agree that she kind of forgave him for setting up her husband. But then Will said that it was his It was John's idea. idea. It was John's idea. So she can't even be that mad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Angela says she'll clean up the mess in the kitchen. She almost forgot that this happened, right, in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's actually a little bit of a sad moment, right? Because this is like the last vestiges of her husband, you know, like their last uh, conversation before shit went to hell, right? And like, there's a mess on the floor with like the the eggs that she slammed down. And well, he has that really interesting line where he says that he was a god and he could have done more, right? With all his power. Yeah, that's what Will said, which is definitely true. I thought that was definitely like a good line because what does Dr. Manhattan really do? Because like, Lady True was really like a megalomaniac, you know? Mm-hmm. But what she says to Adrian earlier in the episode that, oh, she could clean the air and like dismantle all the nukes and do all that stuff. That's definitely true. That's definitely something that she could do, right? And that's something mm-hmm. that Dr. Manhattan could have done too, but he never did. And that the, the removal yeah. of himself from the emotions of humanity really, I guess, kind of added to his inaction. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Angela's cleaning up the eggs and then like in the carton, there's one pristine untouched egg, right? That didn't break. Mm-hmm. And then her mind immediately goes back to the moment where John suggests that he could transfer his powers into an egg, for example. And if she ate it, she could, you know, walk on water, gain his abilities. Yeah, so... Throughout this entire show, there's been a lot of egg imagery, right? And we didn't really know why until maybe the last episode with this power transference that John potentially could do. Um, So now we know that this is the reason for all this imagery, right? Uh, All these Mm -hmm. references to eggs. And that's also where the title of episode comes from. The episode is called See How They Fly, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a line from the song 
I am the walrus by the Beatles. And mm-hmm. there's this very relevant line where it says, I am the Eggman. Right? Eggman. Yeah. So this is. Yeah, right when, when the credits start playing and that song starts playing, my girlfriend was like, huh, there is that line about. I am the Eggman. I was like, dang. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she knows she Beatles, got it. Beatles music. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. knows she knows Beatles music much better than Does she watch I the do. show with you? Sometimes. sometimes. She, she's watched most of the episodes oh, okay. and most, um, most of it, but sometimes she's like busy, you know, doing yeah. something and then she doesn't completely pay attention, but she's caught most of it and she caught the finale with me. Yeah. All right. So Angela walks outside. She cracks open the egg. Uh, by the pool, you don't see her eat it or anything, right? You do. She cracks it and puts it in her mouth. Like she eats the. Oh, she does. The, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she okay, cracks okay. it. She cracks it open. It. Yeah, and then she's like right at the edge of the pool, and she's barefoot, and she takes one step onto the water surface, but the mm-hmm. show cuts to black before we see whether she walks on the water or she sinks to the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was a great image to end the episode and the season on. Yeah. I really like that ambiguity. Yes. So that is the question then. Do you think the egg has his powers? Uh, I think it does. Mostly because Damon Lindelof said so. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, does, the, does he really? In one of the interviews, he's like... Uh, it would be kind of stupid if she just sank to the bottom of the water, right? <laughs> okay. But no, I, yeah, I think all the clues are there to basically say that. Yeah, he does. You know, when he says like, "Oh, you're gonna need to know this later," and the whole idea of transferring his powers and the the whole conversation about transferring it to this egg, right? Uh, eat this egg. Yeah. So it's it's all the clues are there that I don't think it's ambiguous, but this definitely reminds me of Inception. Like the oh, ending of Inception. Yeah. And it's funny. He mentions the ending of Inception in the official podcast where, you know, he always saw that as a one way, but he, you know, he loves the fact that other people read it a different way, right? right. Totally opposite of the way he reads it. it. It could be argued that the egg was nothing and she's just about to fall into the water. Yeah. And also it kind of, never... it's kind of reminiscent of the Sopranos ending, yeah. you know, where it cuts to black. You don't know what happens. Yeah. You know what happens? Um, yeah. I mean, David Lindelof himself is a big fan of ambiguity because that's how he ended The Leftovers, too, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to spoil that, but it was a great moment in The Leftovers finale where there's like an ambiguous moment. You don't know whether someone's telling the truth or not. And people are still like debating over that, you know? So I think it's a good note to end the season on and this episode on. The more I've had time to let the finale sink in the more I like this episode. And yeah, I really do enjoy this episode and I thought this entire show was just so well done. I, I thought it was funny that everyone's jonesing to be Dr. Manhattan. Oh yeah. But being Dr. Manhattan sucks. It's terrible. Why would you ever yeah. want to be Dr. Manhattan, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, well, they I think they realize what it is to be Manhattan in the sense that, oh, I get all this power, right? I get to do what I want. Yeah. But I think we as the audience know also the negatives of that, right? Right. But so does Angela, though, too, right? So 
So that's interesting, so, right? That she takes yeah, so easily she eats the egg, right? But but it's almost as her reading is that well, it seems like John wants me to take this egg, and that means maybe he saw that I did, and oh, I guess he wouldn't have seen that she did because he's dead already. But, yeah, and I I think that's also why a lot of the characters are saying you know that he had so much power, but he could have done better. Yeah, it makes you think like you know if I had Doctor Manhattan's powers, or if An- someone like Angela had Doctor Manhattan's powers, you know, would she do better? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like on the other hand, um, maybe this goes back to like the love story part of the show, right? Like maybe she so readily took the powers so that she could, in a sense, be with john again right because Mm, yeah if she has his powers she's like experiencing her entire life all at the same time right with him too so she can always be reliving those moments right so that makes sense too right yeah yeah that's kind of yeah that's an interesting interpretation of that too that'd be really interesting yeah so there is one question that still didn't really get answered, but I guess if you the PDF files a certain way, then it does get answered. Well, I don't think it's a certain way. I think it's yeah, uh, it's for pretty, sure, pretty for sure. Yes. So but, in this week's PDF file, it is revealed that uh, Agent Dale Petey is indeed Lube Man, <laughs> the unsung hero of Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately. He was sacked by the FBI. <laughs> yep. right? He was fired. They went through his desk. They found stuff that's very questionable. They found, I guess, uh, whoever wrote the memo, he was like, canister of canola oil. Like, what the fuck is yeah. this? You know? So, and then along with last week's PDPedia files, his obsession with, you know, fog dancing. Fog and dancing. Then, yeah. So, it's pretty much a given that. He is indeed a lube man. Yes, yes. I don't know how to feel about this. The identity of lube man isn't a necessity, though, right? No. I guess it's not not something that we need to know, but it is something, you know, the show writers and, and Damon Lindelof purposely put into the show, right? The portrayal of this lube man. Uh-huh. But it never actually gets answered in the show that's and that's fine it's just a weird little thing you know um, yeah but then it, it goes back to what we were saying though right it's not necessary to read the pdfpedia files uh-huh this is the only instance that i would say it kind of is right it's something that the show establishes that can't be answered without the pdfpedia files but what's the importance of Lou man nothing really right yeah, that's why I said, like, yeah. you know, it's not necessary to know who he is, but at the same time, it, it almost seems like if you want everything answered, I guess it's not all the relevant questions. Yeah. It, it, this is the only instance where, like, if you're frustrated with the identity of Lou Man, well, you have to read the PDPedia files. Right. He sh- only shows up once and he never shows up again. Yeah, he disappears and he into that sewer grate. And then if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who doesn't read the PDPedia files, like, that's weird it that makes weird. it seem like it wasn't thought through 
right? It's a character that shows up once and never shows up again. Yeah. And they never bring it back up. So you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but if you care enough, you'll go Read digging the around the yeah. supplemental material, right? So yeah. either way. <laughs> yeah. It's now begs the question, like, he's been fired. And, you know, in the PDPD file, he's like, I'm putting a stop to this. No more writing about stupid, like, superheroes. Yeah, and, yeah. And Rorschach's journal or whatever. Uh, so if they do have a second season. Lube Man spinoff, let's go. <laughs> uh who's gonna provide our supplemental material <laughs> oh who knows he can still yeah. write the supplemental material it'll just be a commentary on his adventure yeah maybe um, <laughs> if they were to do another season is there something i mean i mentioned this at the beginning of the episode right like if they're gonna do another season i i want to see like a laurie and mira guy spinoff like a buddy cop <laughs> show maybe there's still that whole avenue of Dan Dryberg that we haven't seen. And I don't know. I'm not so interested in seeing like a super powered Angela just because like when you're so like omnipotent, it's kind of boring, you know? And she had a great arc in this first season. I don't think we need to upend that in any way by revisiting, you know? But I still find it very fascinating, the idea that someone like her having those powers and what she could do with them. Yeah. 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 Like, I love Jeremy Irons as Adrian. Right. Uh, you know, that would be a person that I don't think I would need to see again anymore. Yeah. As much as I love portrayal. his portrayal. Yeah. Um, Gene Smart, on the other hand, I, I need more of. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I she was like, probably I, 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 one I, I, of the standouts of the season, I think. She's great. She was standout. I think Regina King was amazing. Yeah, Regina King. Even, uh, yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was Bill like Mateen, the MVP so good. was like, yeah. yeah. At the last couple episodes, he's like MVP, man. Yeah. He kind of got stuck playing like the, the loving husband for a while, but that big reveal, you know? Uh, yeah, but then like retroactively looking back, yeah, also, it made like, a lot made of it a lot deeper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think the the, the season might uh, warrant a rewatch at some point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Here we are at the end of the first season of Watchmen, I guess, yeah. and uh, also near the end of the first stretch of our podcast. I would say the future of the series is pretty uncertain, but. Um, concerning this podcast, we still have one more episode next week, so mm -hmm. don't tune us out just yet. I think next week we'll be conducting somewhat of a post-mortem on the show, right? We'll bring back our guest host, Amir Ture, uh, back to discuss the show as a whole, maybe the discourse surrounding it, other miscellaneous Watchmen topics. Uh, you don't want to miss that, so... As for the future of this podcast beyond that, it obviously hinges on the continuation of the Watchmen series it covers, but we haven't exactly decided what we're going to do yet. I think, uh, mm -hmm. I suspect we'll come up with some somewhat of a definitive answer by next week's episode, but I want to reassure listeners that we're not going anywhere, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Unlike Damon Lindelof, we. <laughs> We want to have a plan for something that we want to keep doing together and, and keep this, you know, thing going as long as you guys want to hear us, yeah. right? Uh, the podcast will survive in some form or another, right? And <laughs> yeah. whether we continue covering Watchmen or move on to other topics, we hope you'll 
join us, right? I think mm -hmm. I speak for both of us when I say that this podcast has exceeded our wildest expectations in terms of both popularity and response, right? So we're mm -hmm. so, so grateful for our listeners and we hope you'll join us in the future no matter where it brings us. Yeah. Uh, all I could do is just echo those sentiments. I mean, I, I think receiving all the emails that we've had and the tweets and the and just the love, I think um, I'm just very grateful and uh, I'm really happy to, to be on this journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. All right. So I guess that yeah. brings us to the end of this episode uh, on the season finale of HBO's Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me and my writing at strangeharbors.com. Uh, it's my blog where I write about movies, TV, pop culture, comics, um, all that good stuff. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you, Derek? Uh, people can find me at the wrong dig, dig spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that's both Instagram and Twitter. I also host uh, another podcast. It's a film and film trailers podcast called the film trailers podcast and uh but where you can find this podcast is on uh all your major podcast platforms uh apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and uh what would keep helping us and definitely seeing our podcast grow you know these last couple of weeks and i think it's all the people out there that have been helping us you know subscribe and, and rate our podcasts and we are so grateful for all those that have and uh, we'd love you guys to keep it up. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity, it's it's just a really easy way to to support our podcast, right? Just leave us a star rating on Apple Podcast or uh, subscribe to us wherever you guys get your podcast. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments or even any suggestions on what you'd like us to cover, I mean, we'd love to hear what maybe people would um, want us to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can email us uh, at who watches the podcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I think that will uh, end this episode, but won't end our journey just yet. Yeah. We'll see you next week.